what makes me. This is what I am. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Being a Minority in Corporate America podcast. I'm your host, Tahavia Stewart. I would like to thank everyone that liked, commented, shared, and listened to this podcast. We reached nearly a thousand downloads. Definitely exceeded all of my expectations. I was only really expecting one or two people to listen. So to show my appreciation, I would like to give away three Being a Minority in Corporate America shirts. All you have to do is click the form below and enter your name and a number in between one and 1,000, and I'll randomly select a few people. Furthermore, on this episode, our guest is Travis Stewart. We will be discussing his experience with transitioning from corporate America to real estate. Travis is a student at University of Central Florida. He previously worked at Northrop Grumman, and currently he serves as a real estate associate. Let's hop right on into the episode. Okay. 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 Thank you. Um, can you describe a moment in your life that helps define who you are? Yes, so that's a very good question. I actually spent a couple of days on that one, but I ended up coming to the first thing that came to mind, which was the decision I made not to go to school, not to go to college in New York, as previously planned. I had roommates picked out. I was going to go to the school that I always thought I was going to go to, um, LIU on Long Island, Long Island University. Um, and it was a big chapter in my life, and I think that defined who I was because I was moving away from a familiar environment to an unfamiliar environment. I wasn't really sure what would come out of it, um, but I was willing to take the chance. And I'm glad I did, because had I made a different decision, I'm not sure that I would have had the experience interning in corporate America, although there's plenty of opportunities in New York City. Uh, I'm not sure I would have just took that step because I'm not sure I would have at the time to do it. I probably would focus more on sports and things like that in school, more academic activity than starting my career as early as I did, which was about two weeks after high school. And I certainly wouldn't have started my real estate career um, until after I graduated. Uh, so I have no idea what I would have been or what I would have been doing had I not made the decision to move to Florida, but I thank God for guiding me in that direction. Um, I believe now, seeing and experiencing it, it was all in the plan. Um, I'm not sure where that plan is going, but I'm really enjoying the process. So you ultimately chose to attend University of Central Florida? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So that decision really pushed you to like become your own man, in a sense? Yes, it did. It did. Because, um, you know... In New York, I wouldn't have necessarily probably left family as much as I did here. Not that I wanted to leave family, but I definitely took, you know, um, a step out on my own and moved 982 miles away, you know, um, and, and learn how, how to live on my own. And that was a good, you know, experience. And I'm, I'm grateful for it because I feel like being at home, being around my friends, being around everything I'm familiar with, it didn't really push me to grow. Um, I know I would have grown, but probably not as much as I did by totally starting over in a new place, um, in a new environment, and at a new school. Um, and UCF definitely, there are the one number one reason I went to UCF and chose to go to UCF is because of the opportunity. Um, there are many opportunities at UCF. Uh, it's immediately when I went onto UCF's campus, I knew that they, that is where I wanted to be and to continue my academic career. And I, I really enjoyed it. 
Yeah, I visited uh, UCF's campus and it is amazing. By far, probably one of the prettiest campuses I've ever been to. Mm -hmm. It's like a city within its own city, so it's very cool. And you're right there in Orlando. I mean, it's, you've got Disney, you've got Universal. No, you're not going to it every weekend, but there's plenty to do um, on top of school and, and things to go. And I really liked it. It was a really, really good experience. And I'm still doing it. I have, um, I'm graduating in December. So I still have um, another semester to go, and I, I look forward to that. It's a bittersweet moment, but I also am excited to focus on my career. Okay, cool. So how did you ultimately get exposed to real estate? Yeah, so that's another good question, because my passion for real estate didn't always start in wanting to sell houses. It began in landscape design. Um, I always enjoyed taking a piece of my childhood yard and creating landscape designs like there would just be a blank part like the blank back corner of the yard that didn't have anything but grass and i would you know design a landscape and then implement it and i enjoyed seeing the results i feel like landscaping and gardening and that type of stuff it's the only thing in life that you see immediate results you know you water a plant it responds immediately it's like i don't know it was one of those things that i really enjoyed doing and i was very successful with it i had neighbors i had guests of my home I've had people you know strangers driving down the street literally stop and say they'd hire me to do their yards because by the time I was getting ready to leave for college I had pretty much done the whole yard and um, that expanded into the house I got into architecture and changing things and designing things and before you knew it I was remodeling my childhood home one room at a time um, and it's come full circle with a career in real estate because now I know what buyers are looking for in a house and I'm very thankful to my parents for allowing me the freedom to express myself in that capacity because it really contributed to who I am today. They could have easily said, no, I don't want you changing my house, but they saw something and they saw I was tapping into something and I knew I was tapping into something. I wasn't sure at the moment if it would lead to real estate, but I knew when, when you have a neighbor approach, you know, a 12 year old kid saying they'll hire you to do your yard. I was like, I didn't think it was that, you know, special until I really look back and I have like a whole portfolio now. I'm like, wow, you know, that was like a contribution to the real estate, you know, career that I started today and it all came together. So it's very cool to watch and experience. So does your landscaping experience help you with having a good eye for different properties? Yes. Yes, especially in Florida, because Florida, you know, things grow all year long. So, you know, people are very reluctant to go into a home, no matter how beautiful it looks online, unless the landscaping in the front draws them in. The curb appeal is very important. So if the curb appeal is not right, you're going to lose buyers coming into your house. So landscaping plays a larger role than people think, you know, a lot of the times it's there already, so we don't really think about it. We're focusing more on kitchens and bathrooms and things like that, that we're gonna live in, you know, we're living on the inside. But if you pull up and the first thing that you're looking at is not right, the lawn or the, or the, the gardening and things like that, some people are very reluctant to even continue looking. So I often give people advice on the front yard to make it attractive to people to come look at the house. So, so you mentioned that landscaping is very important for mm -hmm. homes in Florida, but what about in New York where 
um, the properties are like a little smaller and people may not have like, you know, a front or backyard. Is it a little different there? It is. Um, it depends. You know, a lot of people, um, I'm actually glad you asked that because New York, as, as especially moving to Florida, I'm learning that a lot of people don't realize, you know, New York is, is a lot bigger than the, the city. And we yeah. have to do a good oh, job yeah. as New Yorkers portraying that. So I'll talk a little bit about that. Um, there's three regions to New York, three main regions. You have upstate, which is very rural. You have um, the city, which is home of Wall Street and um, Times Square, uh, the Hudson River, things like that. A lot of touristy stuff. Um, it's definitely, you know, um, Central Park, very historical. Rockefeller Center, where they have the Christmas tree every year. So you hear a lot about that stuff. But not a lot of people hear about Downstate, which is where I'm from, which is also known as Long Island. And outside of the Hamptons, where, you know, a lot of athletes, Hollywood elites, um, CEOs, uh, foreigners from, from other countries and their families, some are there in the Hamptons. Outside of that, you don't hear a lot about New York. So on Long Island, landscaping is very important because most properties on Long Island, it's a very suburban place, uh, are half an acre, a quarter of an acre, to an acre plus of land, depending on where you are. So landscaping is very important. And up there, you know, you have to overcome a lot after, you know, November because winter comes. And you really got to have a good, uh, you know, evergreen type landscape up there because in the wintertime, flowers aren't blooming. It's snow, it's covered. So it's very important that you have that right. Uh, now, New York City, it's a little different unless you're at a very high-end price point where you have like a rooftop terrace or, um, you know, a balcony. Uh, indoor plants are very important because it's a very um, confined living space. So people are very concerned about, you know, like air quality and things like that. And plants also play a role in that. So I, I think no matter where you are, whether it's New York, Florida, um, you know, Planting and gardening plays a role in somewhat. It's not always important to people, but it definitely plays a role. Wait, so how do you learn to adapt to different locations? Because you mentioned how in Long Island landscaping is important, but then in New York City, um, like in Manhattan, it's a little different. You know, you have the plants on the inside. So how do you adapt to different locations or learn more about the different cultures? Yeah, so it, it's all about experiences, I think. Um, you know, it's just going out and experiencing those things. There are people who grow up, you know, in many regions in the country and in the world who don't know about places that are very close to them. You know, I, I've come to find that on Long Island, not a lot of people even go into the city sometimes. You know, they, they stay on the island or a lot of people don't go to the Hamptons or they don't know about the Hamptons and then even in Florida. You have some people who live in Melbourne that don't know about Disney World when it's less than 40 miles away. So it's very important that if you have the opportunity to experience those things, because that's the only way you learn about it. And I wouldn't have known how important of a role it played unless I experienced, you know, many of my first clients talking about how, oh, the front of the house really brought me in. 
or going to an open house in New York and seeing that, you know, there are plants even in an apartment that doesn't have a yard or doesn't have a terrace. And even if you can't grow and experience those things, if you're, you know, you could look online or look on TV, you know, they have a lot of shows, Open House New York, HGTV, that'll tell you all about that stuff, how, how that's very important and it can, like, it's the funniest thing. Yellow plants tend to make people happier. People don't know that, the color yellow. And I, I don't know if it's, if it's true or not, but I put out yellow flowers that almost, you know, the, every listing I have, I try and put like some yellow plant out there and people are happier. And when I don't have a yellow plant out there, it, it, I'm not saying people come in unhappy, but it definitely shows. But when you have those bright yellow plants out there, people all of a sudden, I don't know, they, it changes their attitude. I don't know if it's the, they talk about it, or there's studies you can look at. That is very important when you're looking at that. Uh, you know, how that can affect a person's mood when looking at a house. And mood and experience is basically, you know, once you get past the finishes and things that people are looking for, you have to feel right about your purchase. Otherwise, you're not going to make it. So, you know, if you can't experience those things and go out and experience and adjust to different cultures, it's not just about plants, but just, it's a very, it's a culture shock. You know, moving from New York to Florida, you're going from 100 miles per hour to 50 miles per hour sometime. And, you know, it's definitely a culture. You're going from walking to driving. So it's just experiencing those things. Because at first, when I heard that, you know, one, I was interning up there with Northrop Grumman. Um, you know, I was interning in New York for about a month and a half before I even moved to Florida. And when I first heard I was moving to Florida, you, you, you have these ideas in your head of what Florida is. And until you go there and experience it, and that goes for any, moving anywhere, until you go there and experience it, you really don't know what it could possibly do for you and what it could possibly do. So I say the best way to know about something, whether it's an organization or, you know, a region or a town or anything, is to go there and experience Wait, so were you thinking that Florida was like Miami before you came? I, I did. I thought Florida was like Miami and Disney World, you know, the yeah. whole place. And and it's it's not um, for good and for bad, you know, pros and cons. I wouldn't necessarily say bad, but um, it's definitely not Miami and Orlando, you know, j just uh, Disney and Miami. There's a lot of different areas that provide their, their benefits. So you really just have to go there and experience. I mean, it took me two years to really figure this place out. Culturally, things to do, you know, you have to get like a, a routine going again. So it's really about experiencing. But yeah, I definitely thought it was Miami. Party all the time, South Beach. And I was like, this is great, but it's not. Miami's great. It's a great place to go to. We're, we're pretty centrally located here, so. I have no problem going down there, but it's definitely not all Miami. So you previously worked for one of the world's largest corporations. Why yeah. did you decide to kind of move away from corporate America to pursue real estate? Yeah. Um, you know, I haven't given up on corporate America yet. I really haven't. I, I, I learned all my experiences there. I gained my network there. I, I'm very grateful for the experience. However, corporate America taught me something very important, 
And that is, if you have momentum on your side and you are enjoying what you are doing and it is contributing to your overall growth as a professional, you can't ignore it. And real estate was satisfying all three of those things. It was contributing to an overall success as a professional. It was, I was definitely enjoying what I was doing because it went back to my roots. And I had momentum on my side. The markets that I'm serving are doing really well. Um, you know, New York and Florida are hot markets right now uh, in their areas. And I just couldn't ignore it. You know, it was something where it was guaranteed. A lot of people will look at it and probably say, well, you had something guaranteed that, you know, 1.1 million graduates this year are looking for and every year are looking for which is, is, is a career in corporate America. Most, you know, some people are, some people do a trade and that's fine. Everybody's different, but a lot are looking for a career just like that. And some may view it as I, I looked and turned the other way. No, I, it's still there. It's still something I'm interested in doing. I still think it's something of value and it definitely contributed to who I am today. But real estate, I was seeing momentum at a pace that I didn't think I'd see it. I thought, you know, when I came down here, I had a mentor tell me in the industry who I met when I moved down here, that you have it. And I didn't understand what she meant by it, but she said, you know, I really can't tell you what you have. I just know you have it. And it was interesting. And I had to think about it for a little bit. But what she was saying is that it's written all over your forehead. Real estate is what you're supposed to be doing. And you're seeing the benefits of that. You know, I, I was able, you know, through an internship, going to school full time and, uh, you know, dabbling in real estate, I was able to successfully close $5.3 million worth of real estate transactions. That is very difficult to do in 20 months for a new agent who's doing it full time. But when that happened at school, I actually didn't even know the number until my company had an award ceremony. And I, I, I went to support the team. I went to support the organization and, and the other brokers. I had no intention of going there to receive anything. And I was shocked when they came out with the numbers and it told me, okay, I need to keep better records. You know, I have to do an Excel sheet. I have to do something so that I know what I'm actually selling. And it was quite impressive to hear, you know, what full-time agents were doing and what I was able to accomplish going to school part-time and going to uh, going to school full-time rather and a part-time internship. I was amazed um, and I did not realize the, the impact I was having not only on the market that I served but on the community. It was being recognized and I said this is not something I can you know uh, I do not want my clients to um, you know, I don't want to sacrifice my service to my clients at this point in time. Uh, and, and there were things in the way that I had to prioritize where I was spending my time. And you never want, you know, I, I want to give a hundred percent to, to what's showing results. And that was showing results at the time. And it still continues to do so. And I, I, I always want my clients to, uh, feel that I'm giving 100% because I am. And the only way to do that was to focus 100% of my time on it. So I didn't think it was gonna go in that direction, 
I don't like I said I don't know where the path is going but I'm I'm really enjoying the process and uh, I'm happy that all of my clients you know I just closed on my 10th home it was an oceanfront house it's definitely the top of, of my portfolio and, and, and top of my career uh, in terms of properties and I am pleased to say that all my clients are pleased with the experience and that is something I'm very proud of because you know who knows if I had made a different decision if I were able to devote the time that I do to my business uh, how they would feel and I, I just don't want that I, I want to make sure that uh, you know everybody's getting the same service no matter what the price point is and uh, it required 100% of my time very difficult to be a part-time realtor most people try and do that it's it's very difficult and I wouldn't recommend it because your clients you know those are going to be business relationships that you build for the rest of your life and you never know when you'll meet them again you know it could be that one one business relationship it could be several business relationships um, you never know and you want to make sure that you're you're uh, putting 110 percent wait so if you you said you dedicated 100 percent of your time to real estate but um you're also still a college student right yes that too <laughs> yes yes so i do balance that pretty well and you know real estate my clients what i mean by 100 percent is that when my clients call i'm not you know in a meeting where I can't answer the phone call. And, you know, there was three things I was balancing before. I was balancing my internship, school, and real estate. That was not giving real estate 100%. How I balance the college and real estate is I take a mixture of classes. I take online and I take some in, you know, in person. The in-person classes are the ones that are absolutely necessary that I feel I have to be there for. But the online classes allow me the flexibility to devote 100% of my time during the day to real estate. And then at night or in the early mornings before the real estate business truly starts, you know, before I'm getting phone calls and before my clients are awake or after they're asleep, that's when I work on school. So that's how I'm able to balance it. The internship, I didn't have an online option. Otherwise, I would have definitely done it. <laughs> I would have definitely have done it. if I had an online option. I would have totally have have, have gone that route because I truly love what I did there too. We we worked on some special things, um, but that unfortunately wasn't in the card at the, at that time. But we are going in a direction where corporate America seems to be embracing working from home and online. So who knows what the future will hold? But um, I'm able to devote 100% to my business during working hours. I guess is what I should say. But again, real estate, there are no working hours because many of my evenings are consumed with negotiations, um, paperwork, and I'm fine with that, you know, because it's my, I really don't feel like I'm working, um, but, but my clients are happy and that's what matters. So as you mentioned earlier, maintaining and building relationships is essential for realtors. Um, yeah. Do you have any advice on relationship building? Yes. Trust and accountability are my two words um, for relationships, any relationships, quite frankly, not just real estate. Like we're, we're focusing on real estate. Um, I believe that, you know, 
real estate is not contrary to popular belief and for lack of a better term it may sound cliche but um it's not a get rich quick scheme a lot of people we live in a very instagramable world people think you know you you, you sell a million dollar house and you put a sign out you take pictures great pictures and it sells that there's a lot of um things in the works before you get to that point and one of those things probably the most important thing of the entire thing it doesn't matter what company you hang your license with it doesn't matter how many of you you know listings you've sold it doesn't matter how successful you are it doesn't matter how good looking you are if you don't have trust and accountability with your client the relationship's not going to work so building that trust and accountability takes time and experience and building a relationship with a client um uh, also takes time and experience i think that you know for a person to trust you with one of the most important financial decisions in their lifetime you have to put in a lot of work and you have to be at you know be with them in that process because if you're not somebody else will if you're not willing to take the time to show them somebody else will. So I believe if you're wanting to be in real estate and you want to build that relationship and you want advice on the relationship, I would look at it less from a transactional um environment or a transactional relationship and more as a true partnership, a business partnership because that's what it really is. If you look at the real estate career as a transactional thing, I I I've yet to see someone successful on that premise you have to look at it as a relationship it's all about relationships so i say networking is very important the power of your network and it's amazing you know we have a lot more um people in our network than we think you know people look at it as like what company they're working at now or what uh school they're attending now you know your entire life is your network whether it's your neighbors the person at the grocery store checkout the mailman the per- the repairman on your home uh a networking event for a charity or whatever it may be every interaction is your network you never know when you're going to meet that person or interact with that person or need that person again you never know you may not but you may so every conversation every interaction you have with a person is is huge towards your network but i would say in terms of relationships it's very important to build trust because if you don't have trust no one's going to hire you with one of the most important financial decisions in their lifetime to assist them with that if they don't have trust and how you are able to be accountable is your reputation you know how you handle things everybody's big quantity you know i i have turned down some business relationships often and the reason for that is because one i it's very easy to lose your reputation but it's very hard to build it very hard to build easy to lose so you have to prioritize where you spend your time you have to prioritize prioritize the rooms that you choose to be in and the people you choose to interact with and when you're in that room with you know 
whether it's the CEO or, or your neighbor or whoever it may be, you have to spend time in the trust and accountability phase of that relationship. And it's going to take time. It does not happen overnight. Someone doesn't trust you off the first meeting. But if you are true to yourself and true to, you know, what you're doing and you do it the right way, you, you really, you're going to be successful. But if you can't build that trust, you really have to focus on that and, and, and work on that because that's a lot of business relationships is trust. And if it's not someone that you don't know, it's a referral. And that requires trust as well. So it's very important, trust and accountability. That's some great. That's some great advice. Um, can you give us a walkthrough of the day in a the day in the life of a realtor? Yes. So um, it varies because you never know when you're going to get that call, text, or email that can completely change your schedule, and that happens. <laughs> but um, well, one thing remains consistent. I wake up early and I go to sleep early. Um, that I try and do because waking up early, you get to retrieve a lot more. And it doesn't happen all the time. Sometimes I, 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 I fall off of that. I'm human. But it's very important to wake up early. You hear it a lot. It sounds cliche, but it really is really important. You're, you have the most energy in the morning. You can get things done without the distractions of, you know, a text from your friend or an email from a colleague or whatever it may be. Um, you know, you have a lot of options early in the morning. So I'm, I'm very serious about that, waking up early and going to bed early and getting the, the proper amount of sleep. But um, anyway, so I show my listings in the morning. If there's a showing request from the night before or a couple of days before. Reason I show in the morning is because clients like to see homes before they go to work, if they're working. Even retiree, people like to see it and the client likes it because they can go about their day afterwards. So we show homes in the morning. Um, I answer my emails first thing in the morning I try to plan out the day 24 to 40 hours in advance, but like I said, a call, text, email can change in at any moment. That's the life of a realtor. That's something to expect if you're going to be in real estate. Ever-changing. Change is a constant. Um, I show my listings in the morning. I check my email around noon. Sometimes I have lunch with, it's a business meeting. It could be with a broker or an agent at a local restaurant, or sometimes it's a grab and go, you know from home if it's going to be a very busy day the afternoon i usually spend with buyers uh, searching for houses so we do that until the late afternoon or evening if not you know if, they, if, if i'm not working with a buyer that particular day i may do a photo shoot for a home for a listing and it's great to do those in the afternoon particularly in the area we are in florida um you know my photographer could probably explain it a lot more eloquently than i can but the sun angle is, is good at that time of day. So I do a lot of my um, photo shoots for my listings in the afternoons and evenings. Also because if the house has like good landscape lighting or, or things like that, it's really nice to get like an evening shoot. But it's just a little different, differentiates yourself from other people, which is also very important in real estate. Um, there's 1.1 million agents across the United States you got to differentiate yourself. A lot of us doing it, but not a lot of us doing it in our way. And uh, that's one of the things in my markets. And I don't mind sharing it because, you know, I've shared it before and people just don't do it. But, um, you know, one of those things is is, is the twilight um, lighting, which is also a, a big 
factor when people look at houses. It's just something different. You know, it's not the, the, the generic pictures. So I do that in the afternoons. And some people have done it and have been successful. And I have no problem with that. But that's usually the day of, of, of me. And then, like I said before, um, you know, the evenings can be consumed with phone calls, negotiations. And uh, one of the things I probably will change, uh, probably going to be changed fairly soon, is, uh, you know, the phone calls you put off. A lot of people put off in business those, those tough phone calls. Uh, I'm going to start making those early in the morning, you know, whether it's a reduction on a house and, you know, an unexpected reduction because the market's telling us something that we either didn't see before when we listed the house or, or that we didn't want to hear. Um, so those are tough phone calls that sometimes I made in the evenings. I'll be pushing that to the mornings from now on. But just to get it over with, and, and the day's a lot easier when you do it. But uh, tough phone calls in the evenings. Um, negotiations can run through very late at night. I've had negotiations well into midnight before. Sometimes you could be calling, uh, you know, mortgage lenders if, if something you hear something during the day that doesn't sound right. I mean, there's, there's, it's a constant, ever-changing business, and that's what I love about it. No day is, you know, we have the same process, but no day is the same. I'm meeting new people. I'm, I'm seeing new properties, learning new designs and latest technology and, and things like. I mean, it's always changing, so it's a very, very interesting career. But yeah, it varies a lot. How do you manage um, covering different locations? Because I see that you cover uh, Florida and New York. Yes, yes. And I also have um, a London office, but I, I usually do that once a year. I try and line it up with the uh, London property show and I'll, I'll get to why we have the London office, which is, I think is very important for clients. But um, it is definitely a balance. Time management's very important. Um, how I manage both is I'm fortunate that Florida is seasonal in the, in the markets that I uh, represent and serve. Um, it's very seasonal. So in the summertime when it's 100 degrees and the humidity is, you know, uh, through the roof, not a lot of people are going to, to look at houses. However, on the flip side, New York is about 72 degrees on Long Island and the perfect weather. So people can't wait to look at houses. They are hibernating all winter and cannot wait to get out and find their next home. So uh, I'm very fortunate that I'm able to balance it pretty well with the seasons. Um, this is the first year I'll be doing it after school. So I, and this changes, it always changes, but primarily May to October in New York and October to April in Florida. And it works out really well. Those are the seasons that Florida does really well and those are the seasons that New York does really well. And if, um, a client needs me to be somewhere, I'm there. You know, um, I've had people say I want to list my house when I was in New York for Florida and I flew back to Florida. Um, you know, at the price point that I'm in, if they need me to be there, I'm there. I've had, you know, inspections that the date changed automatically and it's like, okay, you know, I have to book a flight now. It, it, it could become, you know, expensive, but it is also an investment in the business and i am where my clients are i serve these markets because i am where they are and my future clients where they want to be 
And I also, you know, I'm where they need me to be at the time they need me to be there. So if someone meets me in Florida and I'm in New York, even though, you know, I say May to October in New York, that's just general. You know, if they need me in between that, I go down and I do what I have to do and I manage it well, but it's, it's definitely difficult. You have to prioritize. You have to, um, you know, know what to accept and know what not to accept. Sometimes, you know, it may not be the best business relationship to take because, you know, if I can't uh, meet 110% of their needs, I'm not going to, you know, uh, uh, waste their time. I don't want to do that. So it, it has to, you know, work for both of us, but I, it, the schedule never impacts that. Usually the clients say what they need and I work it around my schedule, but there are some instances, you know, you have to prioritize. Um, in real estate, we're able to refer. So if it's a, if it's a house at a particular price point um, that meets that criteria, I'll refer to an agent who's local, who can give them 110%, who I trust with the transaction. But if it's something that I can, um, you know, uh, take on, I will. I'll definitely do it. So it's a lot of flying back and forth. I fly back and forth between New York at least once a month, if not more. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it's fun. I like flying. I like traveling. And I intend on expanding as I get these two markets, um, you know, uh, momentum going. I intend on expanding on that. I have a vision of several states in the, in the country that I think my clients want to be in that I uh, will expand on as I continue building the business. But right now, New York and Florida works out really well. It's two hours, that's another thing. I can, if, if someone called me right now to be in New York, I can get on a plane in Orlando if it's available, which mostly, most of the time it is because there's a lot of flights back and forth. New York, New York and Florida, Florida's like the sixth borough to New York. Everybody was from New York at one time or another, you know, it, it, in certain areas in South Florida. So there's a lot of flights between New York and Florida. And if someone called me right now, I could literally, I could door to door be in my living room in New York in three hours. So it, it's a blessing that that's that case. You know, California, New York would be a whole nother ballgame. I don't know how I would manage that. But, um, you know, maybe someday we'll figure something out. Or back to my aerospace background, we'll have the technology that can get you across the country faster. Wait, so you mentioned that your clients may be interested in different locations. So when you say that, do you have like a certain client list or do you, when you expand, you gain new clients or is it both of those? Um, it's a little bit of both, but that's a good question because um, I, I, what I do is I, first, when you're a new time realtor, the best thing, your clients are your network. Um, you never know, and if it's not your network, it's someone in your network who knows someone in their network. So I would say, you know, I have, um, I don't necessarily have a list of, of people that I, you know, call every day, um, but I have people in mind when I think about real estate and that, you know, that I, when I say my clients, I really mean um, the price point. Uh, I, I guess it's not so much a list of, of just people because that would be a lot of, I mean, like I said, between all the social medias and the people I've known over the years through 
I mean, I, I go back to my elementary school teachers. I, I am actually working with one of my teachers now. Um, for I, I mean, I keep my network really, I, I value relationships. So I can go back, you know, there's very few people that I have interacted with that I, I don't keep in touch with. You know, I'm not saying I contact everybody I know every day, but if I can, you know, once a year touch everybody, I will. You know, I try to do that. And I value those relationships and it's worked out. Um, but what I mean by client, I mean the price point. Um, you know, there's a certain price point. I, I, you know, I'm five, half a million and up. And I, they like to, those clients like to be in certain places in the country. And Florida and New York just happen to be one of them and you know that doesn't mean that people outside that uh price range don't mind being here also but it's just i'm more focused on price range when i meet my clients not just you know uh clients i have on a list okay so basically your target audience mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay and i see that you have your own website youtube and instagram for your different listings how yeah. do you think how do you think the evolution of technology and social media has impacted real estate in terms of marketing um it's impacted real estate tremendously i mean i can you know going back to the network i can directly you know uh, interact with my network all the time uh you know by coming up with a post that's interactive and something that they're interested in that's another thing you know, I have to focus, you know, and make sure that what I put out there is something that they're interested in. And also something that is, um, you know, you don't want to pester people. So you can't post every day. Um, so I wouldn't say it replaced any marketing because I, I find a lot of people, particularly younger agents, have replaced print with social media, which is okay. Actually, it's not because... Um, you know, there's a, there's a generational gap there. You know, we we're into technology, and I guess as as we move further along, um, we will have less, uh, um, you know, of a generational gap. But to the homeowner who's an empty nester, who's moving from New York and retiring to Florida, and is 75 years old, you know, Instagram's not going to help for the house. You know, it has to be you know, uh, uh, more relatable. So I think technology in addition to press and print, and what I mean by press is like local newspapers, magazines, you know, um, things like that, in addition to is very valuable because I think technology is good for like backup data. That's what I always tell people. It's, it's, it's a good way that if someone looks you up, they could see who you are and the same person that they saw in front of them is the same person that they saw uh, they can see online. Your, your, your online presence matches your in-person presence. So that's a good thing. That's a good thing to have. But I just want to stress the point that it does not replace print and press. I think all three of those combined, if you do it the right way, and you market the right way and in the right time, you could become really powerful through marketing and, and the technology that we have now. I think it's also great, um, you know, it's hard to carry, you know, business cards in your pocket. And then with you, especially if you're traveling and you got to take your stuff out of your pocket to go through security or whatever it may be, 
uh, with technology, you're able to share a virtual business card. I think that is very valuable because especially back to the traveling back and forth, I consider the traveling an investment in my, in my business. Um, I have not had a client off of a plane yet, but I have people added to my network off of the plane. I meet some very fascinating people on the plane. And I, I always just sat, you know, in a normal seat in the plane and, and got there the cheapest way possible. And I saw something that was very different. I said, in my clientele, in my price point, the people who are purchasing the houses that I am selling or offering to the market are sitting in first class. That out of the 200 so passengers on the plane, the first 10 in the front are most likely to purchase uh, real estate, luxury real estate. So I tend to gravitate when there's an opportunity and when it makes sense to sit in first class when I travel back and forth because it's an investment in the business. A lot of people say, well, why would you do that? The plane's going to the same place. It is. And I used to think like that too. But I realized there's a value here. If I get one person in the front of that plane who's an executive, CEO, actress, whoever I've, I've met over the year, uh, you know, the last three and a half years traveling between New York and Florida, if I get one of them, it's paid for that trip. So to me, you know, technology, I was able to share my virtual business card with those people, you know, sitting right next to them, as opposed to digging in your pocket, finding the paper one, it's all, you know, it, with everything else in your pocket, it's, it's actually a much neater way. And it's, it never fades. You don't have to pay for extra. You just send your virtual business card, or you send your app, the link to your app. So technology is great in addition to, but don't forget the press and print. The press and print is very important for in front of us who may not be as technologically savvy as we want them to be or as they want to be, but they are buying homes too. So I think having all three is very important for the time being. Maybe there'll be one day when we're all, you know, older that we'll all know how to use technology and things like that. But I, I think it's great. I mean, the website, I've gotten great feedback on, you know, I have to Again, I'm always thinking about things to change and, and work on, so that'll be constantly changing, but good feedback. The YouTube is great as well. Um, wow, I sounded really old saying the YouTube. It's not the YouTube, it's YouTube. <laughs> Instagram is great. Um, everything is great. I mean, they're, they're, they, 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 it's worked out well, but again, I have yet to have someone, and that may change as my network grows and people begin to, you know, uh, learn about what I do, but from the time being right this second, I haven't had anybody, you know, look on Instagram and say, oh, I want to buy that house. Let me call them. It's more yeah. been like, okay, that's what he does. And maybe when the time comes, you know, when we get older, you know, someone will contact me and say, oh, I knew you, you've been in real estate for a long time. I'd like to use you. Or maybe one of their parents is selling or something. It hasn't happened yet, but I, I think it will. Yeah, I think it's very smart that you you utilize every marketing channel possible so you can capture um, different types of clients. I think that's really cool. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So uh, what are your thoughts on the current real estate market or housing market? Um, because, you know, with the feds consistently increasing interest rates, mm -hmm. it can make it more expensive to purchase a home considering most people utilize mortgages. 
um, it can. to buy homes. It can, it can. And, um, you know, I can only speak in detail for the markets that I serve uh, because every market is different. I mean, you can go in, in a five mile radius in the market be different but overall the housing market in the united states housing market nationally is good it is it's still good um interest rates are still low you know i know people they are you know they they fluctuated a little bit late last year and then they're kind of back down a little bit they they're trying to raise them but people are um uh, cognizant of the fact that if we do raise them it's likely that the housing market will slow down considerably. So I think the feds are kind of watching and, you know, we'll probably see some changes in transitioning from a seller's market to back to a buyer's market. But right now it's generally good and interest rates are still low. And the reason I say that is because yes, they're going up in our eyes, but you have to remember our parents' generations, the baby boomers, purchase homes at 15, 18, 11% interest rates. That's when it was really high. You know, it's still low, you know, for a few years, I can't see them raising them that much where, you know, we're going to see those type of numbers uh, in the next 18 to 24 months. I'd be surprised. Um, But who knows? We have uh, a lot of factors coming up. We have another election. We have a a lot of things coming up that can change a lot of things. Um, So we don't know, but it's overall good. Um, Inventory is low. So, um, you know, you're not seeing bidding wars as prevalent, but they're still out there. You know, when inventory is low, supply and demand, people, a lot of people converging on one nice property. You know, I just had a house uh, sell in three days. That usually takes about 30 to 60 days to sell. The reason sold in three days, it had multiple offers and the owner was able to make a decision. And that's a seller's market. A buyer's market is when you don't have too many offers and the buyer is able to dictate the price because there's not people knocking down your door trying to buy your house. So we, we experience different markets over different cycles, but in this particular market, you have a lot of people um, out there and not a lot of homes to show. So is it as prevalent as it was in 2017, 2018, 2015, and 16? No, but uh, it's still there. And if you want to buy a house, Right now is the time that I always tell people, if you want to buy, buy it. There's really no, it's not a bad time to buy a house right now because interest rates are still fairly low. Yes, they're going up a little bit, but they're still fairly low. And there are still really good deals out there to be made if you have the right agent on your, on your side. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's good. Overall, good. Yes, in some areas, some markets, you may have some bad things, you know, not bad, but unfavorable conditions. But overall, still very good. One, we also have um, one other thing to take into consideration, the salt states, California, New York, Jersey, tri-state area up there in New York, Northeast. Um, with the recent tax law, you're having, this is about the first year where you're really going to see the results of that. Um, in the new tax law, you can't write off north of 10,000 in property tax, which on Long Island and New York, not Florida, New York, um, California, most homes, the taxes are north of $10,000. You know, you can have taxes as high as $60,000 on Long Island property tax. And on the low end, it's really 12 or 13. I mean, that you're getting a good deal at 12 or 13. So everybody is not able to write off north of 10. 
Um, and last year you were able to do one more year under the previous tax code where you're able to write off your, your tax. You know, if you had 24,000 in tax, you're able to write, write that off. Now you can't write off north of 10. So this is the first year where we're really seeing the results of that. I also found it interesting that, uh, I want to say it was CNBC, came out with an article that uh, Florida recently surpassed New York in terms of population. So you're seeing people leaving the high tax states, the new foreigners in Florida, people from the Northeast. And uh, that's very interesting to, to watch, to see these homes in, in South Florida go off the market like that to people who lived in New York. People who called New York City home are now calling Miami, Florida home. And, and it'll be very interesting to see the results of that. Not to stoke fear. I don't think real estate is, you know, New York is New York. There's plenty of businesses there to, to uh, you know, uh, that people need homes. But definitely it'll be interesting to see what, what, how the high tax states respond to the current tax code because it's, it's definitely making an impact and we haven't really seen the results of it because last year people were able to um, pay one more year under the previous tax code. So we'll see. Very interesting. But that's things I have to know because that's what my clients expect me to know uh, being licensed in both of those states. So it's very important to be in the community, know what's going on, not just, you know, social and charity, but really know what's going on that affects the home buyer because not a lot of people do that research. It's very important. Wait, so is the new tax law driving up? Well, you said people are moving from New York to Florida. Is that driving up prices and prices for homes in Florida? I'm sure it is. I'm yeah. sure it is. Um, I, I, I think so. Yeah, I, I you know, um, supply and demand. So I don't think it's decreasing the value of homes in New York. Um, but I do, of course, I think it's increasing the value of homes in Florida. Sure. People know it. You know, people know that uh, people are coming down. So when you're pricing your property, you, you definitely take that into consideration if you're looking at, the, at, the, at what people are getting. I mean, you're not only getting the taxes, you're getting great weather. You're getting, um, you know, dollar for dollar, I, I guess, depending on what you're doing, you're, you're gonna make more. Um, so there's a lot of factors to take into consideration, but it's not a, an option for everybody. And that's not to say that you know, leave New York because of the taxes. There's also certain factors in New York that you don't get anywhere else. Um, you know, the the schools are are exceptional. Um, some of the best in the nation are, are in New York. Uh, job, you know, job opportunity is 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 beyond belief in the city. I mean, you there is no sky to your limit um, in New York City. So I'm not saying everybody should leave because of that. I, I think. You know, one could argue you get what you pay for, but I don't know, you know, it's, it, that's in the eye of the beholder. But I, I don't want to say that, you know, leave New York just because of the taxes, but definitely it is driving up Florida home values, I'm sure. Of it. And uh, it's not something that happened yesterday either. I mean, like I said, uh, South Florida is considered the sixth borough of New York. Um, so people have always been coming from New York to Florida. You get more for your money in retirement on a fixed income in florida i mean that's just how it is so uh plenty of new yorkers for years you could probably go back 34 years have been retiring to florida it's just it's like california they retired to arizona it's just the way it is but i just think you're seeing a little bit more maybe now 
maybe not so many people retiring, maybe people, families um, leaving because of that. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see, you know, I've, I've been proven wrong before and I, I you know, I, I, I still think it's a great opportunity to live there too. Um, you know, you, there are deals to be made everywhere, in my opinion. All right, so I have one last question. Do yes. you have Do you have any advice on breaking into real estate for a current college student or just anyone in general? Well, I, I like the current, I'll answer both, but I really like the current college student because I was thinking about that. Um, the college student has a lot of um, things to overcome in this new generation. Uh, tuitions are at an all-time high. Student loan debt is at an all-time high. And and I'm, I'm hoping that uh, somehow they somebody comes up with a solution to that because it's really, it may very well be our next uh, uh, bubble. Um, but you have a lot of factors going on. And I just thought to myself, I said, you know, if you have just some passion for it, because you do have to have a desire for it because it can be a stressful job. So if you if you really are not even interested in it, it's not like your thing, then, then disregard this. But if you have had any thought about real estate in your life, I really believe that it is a great opportunity. You know, if you're not taking it on full-time, to take it on part-time so that when you do take it on full-time, you know what you're doing. That's number one. Number two, it's a great way to pay for your college. It's a very lucrative business if you do it right. And, um, you know, I, I think it's a great way for college students to pay for college. I mean, I'm not, or, or contribute, you know, uh, whether student loans is doing half of it or your parents are doing half of it or whatever your situation may be. Um, you can get your license out after high school so that there's no problem there. When you're 18 years old, you are eligible to take the real estate exam and uh, go for it. You know, I, I, I also like to help people, you know, if people ask me, I, I get questions all the time about real estate, you know, send them to me. I, I am more than happy to answer any questions, but I truly think for college students, that is a great way to just, to for some passive income, to just ease the burden of what it is to be a college student. I mean, yes, you get uh, your, your education and, and, and the value that comes along with that. Um, but it's, you know, everybody's reality isn't, you know, just paying for school. You know, there, there's a lot of people out there that, that, that need some help. And I think real estate could be a great way to do that because it's one of the only things you don't need a college degree for. You need a high school uh, diploma. So I, I think that's great for college students, for anybody else, including college students. It is also, there's a flip side to that. Um, the first one to two years in real estate is tough. I'm not going to lie. I mean, you, you, everything we just discussed today, building your network, building relationships, the trust and accountability, uh, you know, moments in our lives that help define who we are. Well, this is one of them. You know, the first one or two years, you may not sell anything because of one or two. It could be many things. You may not have the network yet. You know, I say when you're starting out, you got to touch everybody you already know, your doctors, your people who know you since you were a kid, you know, your teachers. Uh, whatever it may be, you got to, you know, connect with them in some way and see if they need anything. Uh, and then you move on from there and build your network and build relations and build your accountability and reputation. But I think 
people need to to uh, if they can. And again, it's very hard because in the first couple of years, I wouldn't even say first couple of years, maybe first couple, maybe the first year, first year to eighteen months, a lot of money's going out and not a lot of money's coming in, and it's a very discouraging period in a real estate career. But I'm here to tell you, it it does not last. Once you get over that moment, and if you can commit to yourself that you are、um, willing to enjoy the highs and lows of that process, you are going to have a very strong and successful real estate business. So I say for that question, breaking into real estate, manage expectations. We live in a very Instagramable society. We want the Instagramable house. We want the Instagramable cars. The Instagramable relationship. It does not work like that overnight. It sounds cliche. I keep saying it. Rome wasn't built in a day. It really wasn't. It takes time, like anything else, real estate included. You have to build and maintain a any business. It takes time. Now, I, I say it's a good three years before you get momentum on your side. And that was for a person who was really passionate about it. Like really, I, I am really passionate about real estate. I I can't imagine myself doing anything else, from the landscaping to the architecture to the buying and the selling and the deal making and the negotiations. The whole process is not one thing I don't like about it. In fact, even the appraisal part, I'm looking into that, and the mortgaging is the. I don't know how that works. I, I haven't looked into it too much, but I always pick the appraisers' brains and the mortgage people's brains because we work together. Um, to make these transactions work, and very interesting what they have to do too. It's all very interesting. So, I'm not saying you have to be fully passionate about it, but I do say manage expectations that you are not going to be a millionaire overnight, but you certainly have a better chance of being a millionaire in real estate than a lot of other things because it's very it is attainable. But you have to keep the faith, and you have to、um, you know make sure that you you. Are able to commit to yourself that I am going to enjoy the highs and lows of this process, and it's going to take time. But when you pass that 18 months, and that's that's devotion. If you if you devote 18 months, and you do 110 percent for you and your client, whether it's one or ten, I'm telling you, after the 18 months, you will you 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 will see the benefits of it, and then it becomes natural. And and that is when you you will find true success in a strong strong business. And another thing is momentum. You can't stop momentum. It's very hard to stop momentum. You would almost have to like put effort into stopping momentum, because in real estate, if you're the it guy, you're the it guy. And until you're not the it guy anymore, you're going to do really well. So that's my advice: is to manage expectations. You know, it's not a get-rich-quick scheme. There are no get-rich-quick schemes. If it was easy, everybody would be rich. If that's what you want, I'm not saying everybody needs to to want to be rich, but that's my 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 message is to manage expectations when breaking into real estate. You had an investor、uh, investor thing you wanted to know, also, right? Oh、How、yeah. Um, can you talk about the difference between being a realtor versus an investor, real estate、yes. investor? Yes. So, an, a realtor assists buyers and sellers in the purchase of selling real property.、It、could be a multi-family, family, single family, even commercial, like a supermarket or a movie theater, something like that. 
a mall. It, it, it can go an airport. It could be anything. That's real property. An investor invests in a real property by purchasing either a rental property. It could be residential, commercial. Uh, renovating an existing house and selling it for a profit. A lot of people uh, call that flipping. Or purchasing land and building a home um, and then selling it for a profit. You know, that that's like an investor. So an investor is is really, I guess they're assisting themselves in, in and they try and find, um, you know, uh, real, real property that can return a profit. That's what they want at the end of the day is a profit. It could be a bad investment if you don't get a profit. But one of the beauties about whether you're an investor or a realtor or anything, the cool thing about real estate is that you can live in your investment. That's why I always tell people I prefer real estate over the stock market. The stock market is not something that you can, obviously you can't live in a stock, but the, it's more than that. It's you can't, I mean, we've, we witnessed this over the last, I guess, decade of technology, a tweet from a foreign dignitary or, 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 a, 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 a bad business decision by a, a, any company can turn that stock into, you know, whatever it wants to turn it into. There's no, you're not living in it, but in real estate, I mean, yes, things affect the real estate market too. It's a lot stronger. You know, if you maintain your investment, if you update your investment, it's an appreciating asset. You know, it's one of those things. A lot of people have been asking me, well, you sold all these houses. How come you haven't bought a new car? I said, it's a depreciating asset. I said, my car, there's nothing wrong with my car. I said, I do have things in mind that I want as a car, but my first purchase is going to be a house because a house is an appreciating asset. Yes, it goes down and up from like, an, like we had an 08, but 08 was an anomaly. And I'm here to tell you, most markets have recovered from 08. And here we are again on the up and up. And some markets have surpassed 08. I know I was shocked to see um, what what my home, my uh, parents' home was worth. I, I couldn't believe it. I, I I watched it in 08 and I watch it now and it, it, it surpassed 08. So not that doesn't mean 08's coming again. You know, there's a lot of regulations in place. And things like that. I'm not, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that real estate's an appreciating asset and it's an investment you can live in. So instead of your equity is yours, you know, that that's a powerful tool. I'm not saying I'm not advising anyone to take equity out of their home, but if there's an emergency, okay, you buy a house and this is just general $300,000 and your home's worth 400, you have $100,000 of equity to take care of that emergency. You don't have that in the stock. You get penalties if you take out before 59 and a half. Some of us don't make it to 59 and a half. You know, a, a home is, is a, it's, it's a powerful tool. I wouldn't advise taking equity out, you know, but if, if you have certain things to take care of in your household, you have that as a tool. You know, it's, it's a powerful thing. I really think home ownership should really be people, a lot of more people's first priority than these cars. You know, I was reading an article, I'm not sure if it's right or not. You can't believe everything you read online, but 70%, some, some, some crazy number of Americans are behind on their car payment. And I'm like, I mean, it's okay. You know, sometimes things happen, you know, we, we don't know people's situation, but 
that's a arena that needs some regulations next if that's the case i don't know if that is the case but if you're three or more months behind in your car payment and it's a depreciating ass you're not getting any money when you when that car goes away at least with the home if you're having some issues okay you can make a decision to sell it even the bank you know not again not recommending this and not any advice but if you if, if your home's worth less than what you owe on it there's this thing called a short sale where you, you you get as much as you can for it the market value i'm not saying to do a short sale i'm just saying that there are options in real estate that i have not discovered and i and again a, a personal wall street or someone who enjoys stocks may think differently but i just think real estate's a very powerful tool and uh, it allows you to do a lot of things it allows you to have options which to me is better than any dollar amount it's better than any money it's better than any wealth to me is about options you have when you have options that that is a blessing that's that's all we should really all want our options and uh real estate allows that so i encourage everybody whether it's a realtor or an investor or if you're not interested in that stuff consider buying before you rent because when you rent you're not getting any equity you're paying someone else's mortgage pay your mortgage use someone else's money at the best interest rate you can get and if you're not ready to get the best interest rate wait and build a financial plan and build a portfolio where you can get the best interest rate and purchase the property with the best interest rate possible and start paying towards your own mortgage and building equity as opposed to renting and paying someone else's and not getting equity back and if you can I'm not saying this is everyone's reality but if you can you know if you if you have a good relationship with your family and you want to uh, stay home a little bit longer than 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 society tells you you should live at home which is whatever live at home a little bit longer save up a little bit longer and put down more than the average of 20% or if you really want to get real uh uh interesting pay the house in full and don't get a lender because if you if you pay for a house cash and you're planning on living it 30 years you're paying a lot less than you would have if you got a mortgage and if you're not spending 30 years in it then interest doesn't really matter but there's a lot of things to look at in real estate that I think are very valuable and um you know whether you're an investor or a realtor the opportunities are endless and uh reach out if you have a question because there's a lot of people who have questions and they're a little hesitant to reach out I'm not sure why um because I was them you know 3 years ago uh no one could have told me that before I graduated from UCF that I would have sold a 1.6 million dollar oceanfront home I would have told them they were crazy but it happened I'm blessed I don't know where God's going to take me on this journey but I'm enjoying the process and um You know, if you have questions about real estate, I may not get back to you immediately. Like I said, clients, clients are 110%. That's the number one priority, but I will get back to you. I will certainly get back to you. And uh we got to do something because I I don't see real estate being a value for this next generation. Not because I don't think they want it to. I think they want to own. I think the people are having trouble getting these down payments because again, they're buried. But that's a whole other ball game. I'm getting into student loans and all that. I'm going on a tangent here. I could do that sometime. <laughs> uh no problem. Thank you so much. I definitely believe this advice will help someone looking to get into real estate and thank you for 
sharing your story. I hope that this interview motivates someone that's yeah. looking to take the jump and pursue real estate. Thank you so much. Yeah. Anytime. Thank you. All right. If you made it this far without skipping, thank you. I appreciate your support. And this will conclude this episode.